0: Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially, and to get involved, head to LiverpoolOneChurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. How are we all today? Welcome. If you're in the room, welcome to everybody who's online watching. Also. You know, Luke mentioned last week that we'd had a couple of weeks out and we've had some amazing people teaching in the life of church. But you know like when you're parents of young children and you cannot wait to have a night away, to have a break from the kids because it's been pretty full on and then you get that break and all you do is talk about the kids and you can't wait to get back to see them. That's kind of like what it's like for us taking a couple of weeks out of church life. It's all we talk about. And um, I just want you to know that we're committed to building a strong church in the city of Liverpool. We love you passionately, and we're so glad that you're on this journey with us. And so we're in the middle of a series, a new series that we simply called "Mask Off," which I think is pretty relevant to where life finds us right now, because. It's been a strange year, right? Doing life behind a mask. Not being able to see people's facial expressions when you're talking to them. I mean, you want to try standing up here and speaking while everybody's got a mask on. You've no idea, are they yawning behind that mask? Are they pulling tongues at me? I would not know because I can't see their facial expressions. Well, today I want to address another thought, and that is about removing another type of mask. For we all wear some form of an invisible mask. You know, the, 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 the way of life, there's a way of life that the world has taught us is normal. But the word of life teaches us that that way of life is not the life that God intended for you. The world would teach us that deception and disguise and deceit and lies are okay. Like it's okay to blag it, fake it till you make it. In fact, what we've done is we've made our reality become more like our Instagram. So it's not okay to be you, but the world is You know, in the same way that before you put your picture on Instagram, you pimp it you edit it, you amend it, you make the sun shine brighter, you make your teeth look whiter, then you put the picture out there. We've started to do that with our reality. The world is teaching us you have to be more than you are, do more than you do, um, you know, become more than you already are. And what we're subliminally teaching our young people is that your normal's not okay. To be accepted into society, you need to have more, become more, do more, be seen to be more. And that way, you will fit into society. And so we have a culture now of hiding our reality for the sake of popularity. Like, I would be more popular if I were someone other than myself. Masks, they disguise who we really are, right? Right? You know when this um, pandemic first kicked off and do you remember when we couldn't go anywhere except to the supermarket and you'd have to queue to get into the supermarket and they'd only let a certain amount of people in and we'd all were wearing our masks and nobody knew what was happening and you know there was vulnerable people and elderly people and um, I was doing our family shopping and I was also shopping for my parents as well and my mum was on the vulnerability list and so I was so grateful that I was in a position where I could go out and get their groceries also. and So when it was my turn to go into the supermarket, you'd have to follow the one-way system around. I remember turning up an aisle and seeing this older lady and, um, and my heart really went out to her because she was struggling. You know when we've just been told you couldn't wear your mask below your nose, but it had to go over. And so her mask was up under her eyes somewhere, and she's taking deep breaths. And you know when you're sucking all the mask in, because the NHS ones hadn't become available, we're all wearing cloth masks. And she's struggling, and she's got this fluffy hat on her head and her hat had come down over her eyes here and her mask was up here. And now she's coming down the one-way system, the completely wrong way. So I couldn't take my eyes off this poor woman. And I just began to be thankful once again that I could go out and do my parents' shopping. So as I made my way up the aisle and I got closer to this woman, I stared at her a little bit longer and I found myself saying these words, "'Mum, is that you?' And to whom I shock, it was my mother who tried to escape without me knowing anything about her. Totally confused, totally lost in the aisle, and totally disguised. And uh, I think she nearly had a meltdown, but we laugh. But the truth of the matter is, we come into church week in, week out, and we are all wearing some form of invisible mask. And just like I was able to walk up and down the supermarket aisles and spot her, so the Spirit of God walks up and down the aisles of his house and he says, I see you. You're busted. You see, I know you. I know the real you. I don't even know why you're wearing that disguise. Why are you hiding behind that mask? The mask disguises our identity and so not only does it disguise who we really are, but a mask can also give you a false sense of confidence. It's like we become more confident if we could be like somebody else because who I am is not good enough but if I could act and become like somebody else, I could be more confident and if you do not believe me, just go out into the courtyard and have a good look at our Lenny the lion. Because I have watched that lion week in, week out, how he meets people and greets people and high fives the kids and how he jives along to the music and he's so animated. But you take that lion's head off and see if the same same person will still wiggle their hips and hug a stranger on the way into church. Because I doubt it. Because you get a false sense of confidence behind Lenny. But let me tell you, the enemy has a Lenny head for every single one of us. And we put, he dishes the Lenny heads out. We put the Lenny heads on. And then we pretend everything is fine when it is not. We say life is good when it is not. We say all is well when all is not well at all. But the enemy has led us to believe that it's not okay to be you. That it's not okay to let your reality be seen. That it is not okay for you to have honest conversation. And so we hide who we really are and we try to impress. You know, one of the most common reasons that we wear masks is because of this thing called imposter syndrome, which I have since found out is a very real thing. It's the fear of being yourself. So I would much rather... Imitate somebody else or be like somebody else other than myself. But in the words of Oscar Wilde, who so beautifully wrote, you have to be yourself because everyone else is taken. We want to put that into a biblical context. What about the words that King David wrote? I praise you, Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uniquely, beautifully, individually, I am made. So I want to take you briefly to three stories in the Bible today to show you what it looks like when you're wearing a mask, when you're doing life behind an invisible mask. And maybe, just maybe today, that you'll find a version of yourself in one of these stories because each of these people contained within these stories were all, doing mas- were all doing life behind a mask and not really as themselves. But God busted them. God saw through their disguise and God called the real person forward. Because whenever God sees through your disguise, he always gives you the opportunity and the chance for change. And so the first story is a story about masked identity. In Mark 10, 46, there's a well-known story to many of us, and um, it is a story about one man's journey to get his miracle. This man had no sight, and no sight meant he couldn't work, he couldn't earn finances, and he would sit by the roadside and he would beg. It is the story of blind Bartimaeus. We know it so well. The Bible would tell us that the man had been blind for most of, if not all of his life. And maybe you're in church today. And though you have sight with your eyes, you've lost vision for your life. So you're doing life blind when you don't have vision for your life, when you can't see what the future looks like, when you don't know what you're about, when you don't really know where you're going, you do life, just rolling from day to day, just coasting through. And what happens is you're at the mercy of everybody else telling you how you should live. You're at the mercy of everybody else telling you what you should do and how you should act and how you should be. What you're 18, you should be out drinking by now. Everybody drinks at 18. What do you mean you're 21 and you've never slept with someone? You know you've got to try before you buy, right? You need to get out there and play a bit. Because if you haven't got a vision for your life, you'll be at the mercy of other people telling you what you ought to do. And this was Bartimaeus's story. He didn't have natural sight. So he had to sit where other people told him to sit. And he had to beg in a way that they told him to beg. And he had to stay there till they could take him home at the end of the day because he could not see. But though Bartimaeus may never have had natural sight, he still had vision for his life. That vision was the ability to dream, the ability to be able to imagine. And we know this because of what happened when Jesus passed through his town. In Mark 10, verse 46. Then they reached Jericho and Jesus and his disciples left town. A large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at him. But he only shouted all the louder, Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. He begins to shout and the crowd don't like it. And the crowd don't like it because Bartimaeus has always conformed to what the crowd have told him they should, he should do. But now he's in the presence of Jesus. He's like getting a little bit of confidence for himself. The crowd had always told him where to sit. The crowd had always told him how to beg. Do you know the crowd even made a cloak that they draped around his shoulders to identify him as a blind beggar and that cloak became his mask because nobody saw Bartimaeus for the man that he was. The cloak was a certain colour. The cloak was a certain style and it's what they would put on him in those days to identify him as a legal beggar. Can you imagine conversations Somebody asking for directions. Yeah, if you just go up there, turn left on the corner where the beggar man sits. You know, somebody said, I'll meet you on the corner of so-and-so. You know where the blind beggar is? No longer does he have an identity of his own. He's just known to the crowd as the blind beggar. And maybe you're wearing a mask today, not out of choice, but maybe it's a mask that someone's put on you. Maybe it's an identity that they've cloaked you with. Maybe you're known as, you know that divorced woman, you know hair? Or maybe you're known as the single guy. You know, you know that fella, the single guy. Or maybe you're known as the 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 the, the one who can't get a job, or you know that, 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 the one, the woman that can't get pregnant, you know hair. And we identify people. People lose their identity underneath what other people are calling them and mask them. But if I'm honest with you today, we don't have to do life like that. Maybe you've lost sight of your own natural identity. But Bartimaeus began to shout out because he was in the, knew he was in the presence of Jesus. So he starts being spontaneous. He gets up on his feet. He starts moving through the crowd. Don't forget, he's still blind, but he's shouting out to Jesus. And the crowd tell him to shut up because not everybody wants you to be without your mask because it helps them put you in a box when you've got a label on your life. But Bartimaeus starts to be sensitive and this is what I want you to see. Jesus heard him shouting, and he stopped, and he told him, come to me, which I think is hilarious. The man's blind. Like, Jesus, just get a bit of sensitivity about you. Why don't you go to him? But Jesus stays where he is, and he's like, yeah, you come to me. Bartimaeus trying to make his way through the crowd. Well, oh, do you know what it tells me? You'll do what you want to do. Like we make our excuses why we can't come to church. We make our excuses why we couldn't pray. We make our excuses why we can't worship God in this season because life's just so tough and life's so difficult. No, let me tell you, you will do what you want to do. And Bartimaeus was so serious about getting his his healing from Jesus that he made him set his way, a blind man through the crowd. And he got before Jesus, but that's not what I want you to see. This is what I want you to see in verse 50. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Can we all just take note? Jesus did not take the mask off Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and he came to Jesus. Jesus didn't take, him off, take it off him because Bartimaeus was subliminally saying, I no longer want to be known by the mask that other people have put on me. I am not coming to Jesus as a blind beggar. I am coming to Jesus as Bartimaeus, a man in need of a miracle. And so he went to Jesus as himself. Some of you are not getting the breakthrough that you're praying for for because you're crying out to Jesus but still wearing that cloak that victim mentality that others have put on you and it's time to find the real you you've lost all sense of your reality because you're living as someone you think you ought to be because it's what they said about you rather than who you really are but you can decide today today you know that cloak of shame they put on me I'm taking it off. Shame, I'm shaking you off. Negativity, I'm not wearing you anymore. I've decided that I'm taking it off. My posture is going to change. Shame, I'm telling you now, I'm not going to listen to what you've said. You told me it would never be. You told me I could never be. You put doubt on me, but today I'm taking it off. Bartimaeus, he stood to his feet. You can change the posture of yourself from the inside out. Don't be sat down. Bartimaeus could have stayed sitting down, praying for Jesus to come to him, Lord, just let him come to me, just let him, he knows what I need, he'll come to me. No, 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 change your posture, get to your feet, on the inside in your spirit, I'm not sitting down anymore, I'm standing to my feet, I'm taking that cloak off, and I am motioning myself towards Jesus. The answer to some of the prayers that you've been praying, it begins by you taking your cloak off. The answer to that problem in your marriage, it starts by you taking your cloak off. The answer to you finding a job starts by you taking the cloak of victim mentality off. The answer to building bridges in that relationship, it starts by you taking off the cloak of pride. That's where I'm going to start today. And as you do and motion yourself to Jesus, you'll have a vision restored to your life, just like Bartimaeus did to his. Now, the second mask is um, a mask that we've definitely all worn at some time or another. You weren't born with this mask, neither did you have this mask when you were a small child. Um, But I reckon by the time we got to school age, we all picked this mask up in one form or another. And it is the mask of insecurity. You see, for the first few years of your life, In the ideal world, you live in a very secure family unit. You have parents that adore you and grandparents that love on you. And and you're told all of these wonderful things. You're beautiful and you're strong. You're courageous. You can do anything with your life. You're a princess. You can change the world. You're a mighty man. You're told all these affirming words. And uh, then you get to school. And the school children let you know otherwise because you didn't know that your uh, ears stuck out or your teeth were wonky or your eyes crossed in the middle until you got to school and the children at school told you, and Lord help you if you've got all three of them going on. But the kids made you aware of the thing that wasn't so perfect about you. And though you were called a name just because your ears stuck out, it's changed the perception of how you see your whole self. And your confidence begins to slip. And now you no longer put your hand up in class to answer a question that you know because you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And you no longer go out of your way to make friends with people very easily in case they pick up on your abnormality too. It's better to do life alone than make friends who are only going to criticise you. And so because you were criticised in one area of life, Your self-perception is now, I am ugly. There is something wrong with me. In Judges 6, we come across a man who had a very low opinion of himself. In fact, when we pick up this story, we find him hiding. He's hiding in what is known as a wine press, which is kind of like a wine cellar, like a cave under the ground. And his name is Gideon. And he's from the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel were being oppressed by the Midianites. For years and years, the Midianites had made the Israelites feel powerless and fearful and weak. Every time the Israelites grew crops, the Midianites would come and set fire to them. They killed their sheep. They killed the goats. They slaughtered the cattle. So the the Israelites are now a starving nation because they have no food. And they are fearful also, terrorised by the Midianites. But the Word of God teaches us that anything that the enemy meant for evil in your life, that God will use for his glory. And he will allow your circumstances to speak to you. He will use your adversity to reveal to you who you really are. And so Gideon's hiding in the winepress because he's afraid for years and years, the Midianites had told the Israelites, you're the underdog, you're the losers. You are downtrodden, you are beat. We defeat you, we terrorize you, we torture you, You are fearful of us. You are hopeless and you are helpless. You know when you've heard the same thing said to you day in, day out, over a long period of time, you begin to believe it? Well, Gideon was hiding in this wine press because he was afraid. See, Gideon was a farmer. And uh, he grew crops of wheat. And he was hiding in the wine press because he'd managed to grow a crop of wheat and he got it into the wine press to to try and um, treat it and prepare it ready to be be made into a meal or made into flour before the Midianites set fire to it. And so he's hiding. Gideon was a farmer, he grew crops, but like many of us, he thought what he did was who he was. What you do is not who you are, they are two very different things. But the whole time Gideon was hiding, God was watching. And eventually, God reveals himself in the form of an angel. And the angel called Gideon a name that Gideon just didn't even recognize. He just didn't associate with himself. In Judges 6, verse 11, The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abazar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. In the very next verse, Gideon responds, Excuse me? If he was in Liverpool, he'd be like, Shut up. <laughs> what? He's like, Who are you talking to? But you see, God knew something about Gideon that Gideon didn't know about himself. Because Gideon had never discovered who he really was because Gideon's who Gideon really was, was masked by insecurity. So he only saw himself according to what others had said about him. He didn't really see himself according to God's plans for him. And I don't know what lie you've allowed yourself to believe over the years. I don't know what lie that you have taken on board that you've now fashioned and formed your life around. But some examples for that might be a less than loser. You're a cheat, you're a liar, you're fearful, you're weird. How about that one? You're a coward. You're no good. You can't do it. You're shameful. You're two-faced. You know what? Some of these things may be what has happened to you. Some of these things may be what you've allowed to happen or what you've done with your life, but what you have done and what you do is not who you are. For God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I set you apart. You've spent your whole life trying to fit in. You were never designed to fit in. You've tried to fit in to school. You tried to fit in with that group of friends. You tried the nightclub life. You've tried to fit in. And God said, I didn't design you to fit in. I designed you to set you apart. You're meant to be different. So if they don't like you because you're you, tough. You do you, hon because I'm going to do me. You've spent your whole life trying to be someone that you were never intended to be. And you know, if people think you're weird, that's okay. There is only one you. I tell my husband all the time, you are so blessed and highly favoured to have me as a wife because there is no other Emma Bryant on the planet. There is only one. And no one can be like me and do what I do. And no one has my smile and my stride because I am me. And he's a very blessed man. And I tell my kids, your mama, she's a designer chick and you better look after her in her old age because there's only one of a kind and that is me because no one can do me like I do me. No one can do you. And it's time you stopped conforming to your insecurities and rose up to be the mighty hero that God sees you and calls you to be. You need to start to do you because no one can smile like you. No one can stride like you. No one has your swag. You are one of a kind. you need to do you. So the angel looks at a cowering Gideon and says, mighty hero, because cowardly might be how you're behaving, but it is certainly not who you are. So will the real Gideon please come forward? Can I tell you that life doesn't begin on the day you were born. Life begins on the day you discover who you are. That's when you really start living. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, God said, I knew you. How did God know you before you were formed? That doesn't make sense, right? But before a creator creates something, he has a plan in his mind and a purpose for what he's about to create. He sees it in here, then it becomes out here. Before I knew you, I saw you in my mind, says God. I had a plan, I had a purpose, a point to you being on the earth. That's why I designed you. That's why you're not a mistake. That's why I created you. And I have given you everything you need to be an original you. So will you please start living your life and not trying to be somebody else's? Gideon found he was the answer to his own prayer. Gideon had been praying, Lord, when are you gonna send us a deliverer to deliver us from the Midianites? And God said to him, you Gideon, you are the mighty hero that you've been praying for. And when you know what he calls you, you know you're not what they call you. Gideon dropped his wheat that day and he picked up the sword. And Gideon led a mighty army. Fascinating story. Go away and read it. Gideon led a mighty army. The army was predominantly made up of farmers. But I believe that Gideon went and gave them the pep talk that the angel had just given him. And he reminded them who they were and who God was and how God saw them. And with very few people, Gideon went and slaughtered the Midianites, took back their land, took back their, their identity, took back their inheritance. And it is time, church, for you to go and take back yours. The final mask is warm by a group of people that Jesus got quite upset with. Um, He got quite upset with these people and it's the type of mask that can really easily fool other people. But like with every mask, it cannot fool God. The mask is not a common um, subject of conversation in most churches. And the reason why is because it was the church that Jesus was talking to. It was the people that day who were what they call religious people, the ones that went to church, the ones that talked the talk, the ones that would look upon the world as sinful, but they did all the right things. They were leaders and teachers in the synagogues, and Jesus called them out for wearing the mask of hypocrisy. Matthew 23, verse 27, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within you are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also appear righteous to others, but you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus was looking at the people coming in and out the temple in the synagogue, and he was like, wow. <laughs> I see what's going on on the outside. I see what everybody else sees. I see the way you pray, the way you sing, the way you, the way you perform, the religious rituals. I see it all, but I also see what others cannot see because I see what's happening on the inside. I know what you're plotting, I know what you're scheming, I know what you're thinking. I know what your next thought is before you even had it. See, Luke spoke last week on intimacy that God is not a God of religion, but God is a God of relationship. And he wants intimacy. And that word intimacy means into me, you see. And there's nothing that is hidden from God. Jesus saw behind the mask. He said, Look, it looks to everybody else like you are holier than holy. He said, but inside I see you're no different to everybody else. Inside I see you're judgmental and you're critical and you're negative And you have shameful thoughts and I see it. I see it all. And you know what? We may have changed the appearance of church somewhat over the years. We may look less like synagogues and temples and more like cool warehouses with trendy lights. But the same God that was examining his church back then, He's still examining his church today. We may not have all the robes of, of rigmarole and the outward appearance that the scribes and the Pharisees had back then. But, but let me just say this, when you walk, raise your hands in worship, and you walk out the door and you talk about your sister, that, that, that's just religion, and it displeases God. You know, when you serve in the house on a Sunday, but then you deny the house on a Monday. Oh, what did you do at the weekend? Oh, nothing. God says it's religious behavior and it displeases me. You know, when we open the word of God and we teach you from the word of God, and you listen to what the word says. But then when you've got some life changing choices to make, you listen to what the world says. God said it's just religion you just come into church and it's religion and I'm the God who's after relationship with you because I see what others don't see in the book of Samuel God sent Samuel the priest to anoint a new king of Israel but Samuel didn't know who it was he had to anoint he knew it was one of the sons of Jesse but Jesse had many sons So they lined all of the boys up, and Samuel was immediately drawn to the one that looked like a king. It was Eliab, and he was big, and he was strong, and he was handsome, and he he spoke with authority. But in Samuel 16, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. For the Lord does not look at the things that people look at, people look at the outward appearance, but I the Lord, I look at the heart. It's not about the performance we put on. It's not about being seen to be doing all the right things. That's like wearing a badge of Christianity. I'm wearing a badge of Christianity so that people know I go to church. I'm going to let them all see me with my hands up. But there is no power and no presence of God that is prevalent in your life when you are operating with religion. God, I'm a God of relationship. Don't try to black me, because I am for you. I am not against you. So rather than picking up our Bibles and reading the words on the page and then Instagramming it out there and telling everyone we've had an amazing time with the Lord this morning, why don't we just linger a little bit longer? and allow the Word of God to read the story of your life. Because when you do, He'll show you where all your masks are. When you linger in the Word of God, you see where you're hiding. And God says, I wanna gently begin to unveil the real you because I desire intimacy and relationship with the authentic designer you that i made churchill is standing here this morning i think it takes brave people to really be you i think now i'm far gone enough in life to look back on seasons of my life and i can see different masks different identities tried to be, but I've never been closer to God than when I've humbly and authentically gone, this is me. And God's not impressed with where you are in life, neither is he disgusted with what has gone on in your life. He knows you. He sees you. He knows you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.